Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of The Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking with our special guest, Sal Alfano, executive editor of Pro Remodeler Magazine and ProTradeCraft.com. Hello, everyone. I am Tim Fowler, and welcome to The Tim Fowler Show. Today, we're talking with one of the leading voices in the remodeling industry, Sal Alfano. Sal's been a remodeler, uh, editor, writer, and I think one of the great facilitators of change in the industry for many years. I first met Sal at what I believe was the first remodeling show in Pittsburgh. And again, my memory is a little shaky right here, but I believe it was 1992. Uh, He was just getting started as an editor for the Journal of Light Construction. And I was doing my very, very first presentation on production at that show. It seemed like it was a 20 minute segment on a panel. And uh, I finished up, Sal came up to me and said, how'd you like to write an article? And I said, you know what? I think I got a D in freshman English. You don't know what you're asking from me. (laughs) And so he says, don't worry about it. Just uh, write like you talk. And so uh, he helped me write my first article that was ever published. and, And we've been Uh, friends ever since. So it was always great seeing Sal at so many different shows. I think Sal seemed to feel like I was always looking for a free meal, but uh, really I just wanted to sit and and learn and maybe get a free meal as well. So uh, just thinking about this uh, podcast, I don't think either Sal or I uh, could have envisioned where either one of us would have been through these last several years or uh, what's happened in our lives. So in this episode, we're looking for his experience with the thousands of contractors that he's uh, interacted with over the years and his experience with having his own home remodeled by other people. I guess to sum it up, we're looking for some well-worn, long-lasting wisdom. So Steve, my guess is you probably uh, were reading some of these magazines that Sal's been involved with when you were a contractor. Oh, yeah. I've seen Sal's name basically as soon as I started and started to look for uh, improvement within my company uh, online, subscribing to every magazine I could. Uh, always saw Sal's name and loved his content. And, you know, even more love seeing him at the various shows. He's always a wealth of knowledge. I still pick his brain on uh, random topics, um, but it's, it's, uh, it's a joy to have him on the show today. So Sal Alfano has spent 20 years as a carpenter, remodeling contractor, custom home builder in central Vermont. He joined the staff of JLC in 1991, where he was named editor-in-chief in 1994. From 2001 to 2014, Sal served as editorial director for numerous industry trade magazines and websites, including JLC, Remodeling, Replacement Contractor, Coastal Contractor, professional deck builder, and upscale remodeling. Currently, he is the executive editor of Professional Remodeling Mag- Professional Remodeler Magazine and ProTradeCraft.com. 
Sal currently is lives in Montpelier, Vermont, with his wife Eileen. Sal, welcome to the show. Hey, hi Kim. Thanks. Good to be here. Hey, it is so cool to be talking with you. Uh, this is such a great time. Like I said in the in the intro, we've known each other for a long, long time. Could you ever imagine all the different journeys you would have taken or that you've taken when we first met back in 1992? Well, it was a real career change for me because, uh, you know, I had I was I was uh, still a remodeler back in 1991 and had just I think we that first remodeling show. Yeah, it was 91 or 92 in Pittsburgh. Uh, you really took me back with that intro. Um, <laughs> so I, I was you know, I was switching I was switching careers. I, I had been doing some writing for uh, fine home building and for JLC, but um I was, you know, I was switching from the day-to-day of a remodeling contractor and custom home builder to the day-to-day of a magazine editor. I didn't know anything about the magazine business. Um, I just knew <laughs> something about the construction business. So, yeah, I, I never would have. Uh, to me, it was a real adventure. I had no idea how it would turn out. It, it turned out to be a pretty, a pretty good fit for me. I've really, uh, I've really enjoyed what I've been doing for the last 25, 30 years. Well, it certainly was a game changer for me to meet you at that uh, remodeling show because that article and that presentation that I put out really changed the direction of my life in an incredible way. But let's get down to talking about some wisdom here. Um, in the remodeling world, you know, happy client, budget, schedule, they're all the, the big thing in terms of what people are looking at. And I'm just kind of curious if you have some basic wisdom, some wisdom for contractors. We can kind of go through these things a little at a time, but from your vantage point, what would you tell people in terms of, you know, customer satisfaction? What do you think is, is the key to uh, really making sure that your clients are delighted with the work that you do? Well, you know, uh, it's, a, it's all of a piece, uh, schedule, budget, I mean, it, it, craftsmanship, it, it all matters. I think, I think craftsmanship is often a focus, particularly the production crews. Uh, right. and, it, and it's important, um, but it isn't the only thing. And in fact, it's pretty easy to undermine even excellent craftsmanship with a, with a bad experience um, <laughs> in a lot of other areas. And, and a, big, a big thing for me has always been communication. And that starts not, not just between the, the production crew and, and the client, but between the, the production crew and the sales staff, or if it's, even if it's a small company and you've got an, an owner who's selling the job and then running the job, but with a, a crew, uh, often there's just not enough information exchange. And I think that leads to, um, that leads to problems that ultimately affect client satisfaction. So, you know, I always, try to recommend to people that they get the production crew involved as early in the process as they can. I mean, why, why if, if you're uh, not in the field any longer, you know, I used to joke that a lot of owners who make switch from field to office tend to estimate the project nostalgically. And by, by that, I mean, they, they, right. they think, you know, you're, um, how how would I how how fast would I have framed this place when I was you know twenty twenty four right. years old? Right, right. Um, well, you know things change. You have to make those adjustments, and so why not bring the guys who are actually going to be doing the work into the process before you put a number on paper and talk to the client? 
often, I think, the way you would with a subcontractor. You bring a sub to the house and you talk about the work you're going to do and you get a feel from a guy who's doing it all day, every day. Why not do the same thing with your, with your production crew? Well, one of the things that, that makes me reminds me of a, a saying that I use quite often when I'm working with companies, and that is the older I get, the better I was. And uh, <laughs> I think uh, it's, you know, it's a, I think you're dead on. People do these estimates and, and have expectations about sort of their memories as opposed to some kind of reality. But speaking well, about, you know, the, go ahead. Well, the, the, it, it's, it's the labor that is, is the major, um, the major issue when it comes to budget. I mean, it's, you know, if, if you forget the materials, you know, unless you forget the entire roof framing package, uh, you can make up the cost in most materials, but labor, um, man, you can lose money fast. If you're, if you're not, uh, if you didn't figure it right in the first place, but if you're not efficient on the site, if you're doing things out of sequence, or you're having to redo stuff, or you're having to run and get things because you're not planning ahead. That that's a big problem. That's that's a way to send the job um, south real quick. So you know all of that is really clear. There there are specific sequences that I always really enjoyed the thought process that went into planning a, pro a project. I really I really liked figuring out you know what comes first, what comes next, and how can we do this uh, you know more efficiently. All that stuff's all that stuff's really critical, I think, to success. And that, that keeps the client happy because you meet the budget and you meet the schedule. So when um, I was working with Remodeling Magazine just a little bit to uh, do, you know, do some articles and things, it always yep. struck me that they were um, planning, you guys were planning six months ahead, seemed like. So it seems to me like the switch from, uh, a job site to a magazine wouldn't have been that tough or a business to the magazine wouldn't have been that tough because there certainly has to be that planning ahead. Well, yeah, you know, oddly, it, it was uh, it was trickier than I thought it would be. I mean, I, I had always been planning ahead too and uh, kind of lived by my calendar. But, you know, in the magazine biz, it's odd because you're working on an issue that's th three months ahead. Um, so in, in present time, you're actually working, you're actually doing the work of the project. It's, you, you've already planned it maybe six months ago, but the actual work is done for something that really doesn't exist yet. If you see what I mean, yes. when, when you're on a construction project, the work you're actually doing now is real time, but right. magazine, you're working on it and it's not going to show up for three months. And that was pretty hard to get used to. But uh, yeah, the planning, the planning part was, was, was a, a piece of cake really, because I, I've done so much on the construction side. So Sal, walk us through that transition. Are you a journalist that became a remodeler or, you know, what was that transition of the remodeling into, you know, the, the writing? Well, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I was sort of a frustrated academic. I mean, I was in, um, I, I worked my way through college as a as a carpenter so I was a, a non-resident student uh, I was working during the day and then kind of studying nights and weekends when I got my undergraduate degree I went off to grad school and um, that was the plan I was going to you know get a, an advanced degree and and end up you know teaching and writing and I took a job during summer vacation between semesters with a remodeler <laughs> <laughs> and uh 
you know, realized how much I really liked the work. Plus at the time it was like, I don't know, it was like 1977. The outlook for academics wasn't very high. And so, um, Elaine and I made the decision to come, come back to Vermont. We were in, uh, we were at Emory University in, in Atlanta and we decided to come back to Vermont and I decided to, instead of just doing carpentry as I could pick it up, I've been doing it for five or six years by that time. Uh, I decided to start, you know, to do it in earnest um, and and start my own company, which I did about three years after I got here, and did that for about ten years. And um, but but the the call of of uh, the academic stuff, I I really enjoyed writing. It was always, um, I mean, it was always something that just came easily to me. I'm not sure exactly why, but um, so I had started writing for fine home building about mainly about business. Um, business concepts and, and also for JLC in the late, late eighties. So I had already been doing some of that. And, um, when, when the recession of 1990, 91 came, it was my third recession <laughs> in the business. And I, I decided that enough was enough. Um, right. so I took, I took the job with JLC. It turned out to be a pretty good fit. So Sal, I understand that, uh, you've had contractors working on your house at least a couple of times and, I've actually reached that point in my life where if I can pay somebody to do it, I'm probably going to have them do it. Uh, but I'm just wondering if you have some advice as a consumer for the contractors and the production people that are going to be listening to this podcast about how to treat uh, your clients or um, maybe so just some tidbits on what it's like to be on the other side. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm not, I'm not the typical client, just as you're not the typical client. We kind of know too much. We're, we know enough <laughs> to be dangerous, you know, right. <laughs> you know the way yes. they say. But yes. so I try not to stick my nose in it, even though I have definite opinions about how, how stuff ought to be done. But um, I don't know. I, I think that, uh, again, the, the, the biggest thing for me, just sitting on the, on the homeowner side of the table is, is communication. Okay. Uh, it's, it's just really imp- important. Even even for somebody like me who 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 went through the process of of remodeling other people's homes, and I know what the sequence is, and I have a pretty good idea of what comes next, but not actually knowing or being told is a is an issue. I, it, I think it's really important to communicate with the homeowner. After all, most homeowners are not like you and me. Right. They don't know what the, what remodeling is all, especially remodeling. I mean. New construction is one thing, and, and you know, there are similar issues. People still want to know what's going on, but man, when it's when it's a house they've been living in and they don't really know what it takes to do the project, right? Uh, it it produces a lot of anxiety, and that you know that creates problems. So I think the more you can the more you can communicate, the you know the better off you're going to be. In a, in a couple of cases, uh, you know, another another thing that that's been important is that I've learned really is that it's the client is, is sometimes actually right. <laughs> so I have, you know, I yeah. have looked at stuff on the project and said, Hey, what, what's this? And why, why is this happening instead of that happening? And, um, and in fact, I had, I had discovered something that the client, that the contractor didn't see and, and that would have cost him a bunch of money if it had, you know, right. if he hadn't caught it. So I guess the lesson there is that sometimes the client's stupid question is, <laughs> is worth listening to because, you know, they might be onto something. I just wanted to remind everyone that registration is now open for the second annual production conference. 
Last year was a huge success selling out a month before the date. Well, this year we're doing it again, and it's being held Thursday, September 27th in New Orleans. It's a full day of information sessions, breakouts, and networking with other remodeling production professionals. Oh, and best of all, you get to hang out with Tim. If you're interested, go to www.productioncon.com for more information, or you can get the link from the show notes. Let's get back to the show. That's um, that, that's really, really, really good. And I was talking with a production manager a few weeks ago, and he was talking about how they share the emotional homeowners graph with their clients. And, yeah. and, and a, a big a big part of that is helping the client understand how the process is going to go and what they might feel like. So that's a good advice. I think the, uh, you know, the other thing that we've uh, really experienced again, once again, I mean, it happens every, every time you do this, but you know, the, the, the whole product selection process really needs a bunch of handholding on the side of the, of the contractor. Uh, you know, and I've talked with a lot of companies who have a dedicated person, somebody in the office who actually does that. Right. And, um, wow, that, that pays dividends because it is, I mean, compared to when I was doing it 40 years ago, right? There are so many more choices now, um, for, for finishes, uh, and just any kind name, any product category. And there's 10 times the amount of stuff available these days than there was, you know, 40 years ago when I was actually doing it in the field. So it's important to guide people through that, to find out what, you know, which direction they're, you can't show them everything. So you, you want to try and narrow it down, figure out what they're likely to choose from and then narrow the, the decision down before you even present, present the materials to them. Otherwise it just becomes frustrating and overwhelming and it, and it affects your efficiency because it, it, it uh, blows the schedule. You know, if they can't decide on what, what happens next. So taking off from there, Sal, what do you think some of the big shifts have been? You mentioned the number of products and, I experienced that too, working with companies that they're just frustrated with so many different places that clients can look at product and things like that. But what are some of the changes that you've noticed over your, did you, did you say 40 years? That's a, that's a quite a long time. Uh, but well, what are some, yeah. some things that have changed? Well, I mean, I started as a laborer on a construction site in 1971. That was my first, um, wow. Really, my, my first, the first time I ever worked with, with tools. And we were working with two by fours that were measured inch and five eighths by three wow. and five eighths. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was before, the, before that dimension changes. I was still arguing with old timers about whether plywood was going to, you know, make it in the marketplace. They thought it would never catch on, you know, so right. that, that was a long time ago. But, um, I, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I've talked about this before, but, um, tools have certainly changed immensely. I mean, I think there have been some really big shifts, you know, like the switch to pneumatics in the eighties. I remember making that decision, you know, right. with a bunch of money you had to spend. And Oh yeah. I, you, I remember that very well too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if you didn't switch, you really couldn't compete. I mean, you, you know, it, it just, um, it, it was just something you had, you had to do. I think, I think these days, um, certainly computers have taken over in the office, but it's, it's, really interesting the way they're being used on on the job side i mean i remember fooling around with cameras and stuff on document job sites you know to right. just just so we had a record of the work that we did but you know also to to um to help 
you help do an estimate. You know, you might take a few photographs of a project that we're going to have to look at so that back in the office you have something to look at. It's so easy to do that today uh, right. with, you know, everybody's got a phone in their pocket. Uh, and, and the fact that you can consult in real time with somebody back in the office or a designer or an architect in their office with, with you at the job site using, um, you know, photographs and video and, and portable devices is just a major um, revolution in the, way, in the way the job site operates. Uh, you know, I just, I just look at the, the, uh, all the sites where, where everybody's got a, a, an app on their phone that allows them to communicate with people in the office. Pretty remarkable thing. I, you know, I, I have no direct experience of that, but, you know, talking to people, it's really, it's really turned things around for a lot of folks. So, Sal, would you say that is, you know, I, I love talking about, you know, the changes of people going to pneumatic. That change was huge. Um, you know, I, I look at drywall as being an incredible change when it came out. And now the yeah. uh, zip wall system for sheathing is, is another big change. But so all in all, you've had finger on the pulse of the industry for a long time. Is that so would you say communication um, just all in all? Because now now the homeowner has so much content, TV shows, and it may not be what I've always loved about your content is it's so uh real to what we're going through as contractors and the homeowners, what they're seeing is an overproduced kind of reality show. Um, so, you know, yeah. uh, as a contractor that offers a lot of challenges, but back to the main question, I mean, what is over the years, would you see the biggest shift and where, and where are we going? That's a big question. Well, you know, it's interesting to think about the information that homeowners have available to them now. I mean, back when I was doing it in the field, um, really, the, the contractor was the expert. There was no other place to get information. I mean, mm. homeowners really couldn't. I mean, there weren't even any, any magazines in the, in the early 80s for contractors, let alone for homeowners, to, to know anything about what it took to remodel a house or what it might cost. I mean, now you can look up the price of just about everything. We, we've been writing lately about transparency. Um, I mean, it's sort of a buzzword, but, but all it really means is, you know, every, every homeowner wants a breakdown. They want to know where their, where their money's going. And most contractors are afraid to talk about it because they're, you know, they, they're, um, they're marking up the, their costs, and they're worried that they have to explain that to the consumer. Um, but lately, I've been talking to contractors in, in this who have who have made the switch and are are sharing more information with homeowners, partly because they, they have no choice. The homeowner already knows. Well, they think they know what it costs because they've gone out to the internet and they've you know they've checked on the price of X, Y, and Z, and they have a number. It's not a it's not a good number. But it's they're focused right. on it because they you know they, it's out there, and so to pretend that that's not happening just doesn't work anymore. And and so a lot of guys are are switching to um, a method of presenting their their numbers, uh, you know, in the sales in the sales process that's just more open um, and and gives the, the homeowner more information about where their costs. Where, where their money's going. Um, and it's, it's, it's having a, a lot of success because people have very little patience for all the sort of secrecy that, you know, that used to surround 
the estimate. No one wanted to actually pull out their worksheets. You know, you would have a, you'd have a single sheet with a single number, and it just doesn't. It just really doesn't work anymore. It's very interesting because just the other day I was speaking with a again a production manager who announced to a group of other production managers that they literally tell the client that the change order has a 60% markup on it. And everybody in the room just kind of gasped at the idea that you could tell the client that. And then of course he went on to tell how they've been educating the client about what that 60% pays for and, and what it do in terms of the overall margin. So that's a, that's a big deal. Yeah. And it's important, I think, for for a, a, a company owner to explain that to the production crew. They need to know right. what the costs are because they're on the job side. They're often put on the spot by the homeowner, so right. they they need right. to know what what can I what can I talk about with the homeowner and what should I, you know, refer them to the office about. There's yeah. a lot of upselling that can go on on the job site if your crew is educated in what, you know, what the contract says, what was spec and what wasn't, and then what things actually cost. Otherwise you, you, you miss out on that or you end up with change orders that lose money instead of, instead of make money. So That's again, there's sure. that, that transparency between not just you and your client, but you and the rest of your company uh, is, I think, I think it's critical. Uh, it, it, it always has been, but somehow the access to information that everybody has today has made it just obvious that that's the direction we should be going. Yeah, and I think it's important as contractors are ever evolving and uh, businesses are becoming more sophisticated, you know, having the uh, uh, customer armed with this information is a great thing. You know, it protects uh, homeowners from, you know, a a bad um, contractor that, you know, seeming to be phased out. Um, so, you know, as you've seen these changes, uh, with contractors, homeowners, um, you know, do you think we're getting to a, a, an ultimate better place with all of this information? Yeah, I, I think there's, there's, uh, there's no, there's no downside really. I mean, it's more the sort of fear of what might, of what might happen mm-hmm. or the fear of, of doing something in a way you've never tried before. But once you, once you jump in and overcome that, I think um, at least in my in my experience and and with the people I've been talking to, once they make the transition, they they can't understand why they didn't why they hadn't done it earlier. I mean, imagine sitting at the table with the with the homeowner, and because your overhead and profit is a separate line item on your price you can actually bring the subcontractors bid out, open it up and say, here's what the plumbing costs, you know, and if mm-hmm. you want to change this, we're going to, it's going to cost X. That that's the kind of experience that in the, in the good old days, you had to make this crazy calculation in your head about what, you know, what the, what it actually was costing you and how much you had to mark it up to make your margin. And, and it, that's why no one wants to get into that calculation. But but these days, when you lay it all open, uh, it just makes the whole process a lot easier. It builds confidence with the homeowner, and it makes you look like you know what you're doing. So even if you don't. <laughs> so one of the things that uh, we've seen right here talking about this is there's a whole lot of media and uh, availability to clients. And so I'm just wondering, from your perspective, uh, 
what what advantage do companies have of, of really digging into the magazines and media that's out there? You've spent a long time working in you know the magazine and media business. What what does it bring to a company that they can't get anywhere else? What what are some of the things that uh, contractors can get from the the magazines that are out there that much like the con much like the client is going to push them into a better position. You know, when I when I when I started the business in you know, my business in the, in the late seventies, there really weren't a lot of publications. Uh, most of those started in the eighties, so uh, there was no way to share any of that information. So I, I think that, and of course these days you can do it, you know, on YouTube. But you can go to, to websites and get a lot of information. But what what magazines have done then and and still do now, I think, is they provide that that connection, one one kind to another um it's the kind of thing that otherwise you would you would it can it can be a very lonely business you can feel like you're the only guy on the planet who has this problem Mm -hmm. but what you find out when you read the stories in magazines is that everybody's got that problem and and a lot of people have solved it and and there's never just one good answer there's always a couple ways to do it so that ability to share information to know that you're not alone um, that there might be a better, faster, you know, cheaper way to do something is um, it was useful 40 years ago and it's still useful today. That sounds fantastic. So as we start wrapping this up, Sal, any little golden nugget you can give us that uh, might help us out a little bit? Well, <laughs> well um, you know, I, I guess one of the things that's been on my mind lately, partly because I don't do this work every day. Every time I, I end up getting back into carpentry again, I realize what a physically demanding business it is. And so from my perspective of, of 45 years after I, start, I started would be um, particularly for production people is to just, you know, take care of your, take care of your body. It's, it's, <laughs> in a lot of ways, it's a, it's a young man's business. And right. You know, I still see guys who are not using hearing protection. And let me tell you, that that catches up with you. Eye yep. protection, um, just simple stuff, uh, stretching. You know, you, you, these days, pneumatics and, and battery-operated tools mean we don't have to bang nails all day, uh, you know, literally. But those tools, if they're not ergonomically designed or if you're working in an odd position, it's easy to get repetitive motion injuries, all that stuff, it, it catches up with you. So I, I would pay attention to that. And I think, I think as company owners, guys ought to be, ought to be uh, enforce, enforcing that with, with their crews, not, not just safety, but good, you know, physical health balance and, and flexibility, uh, because it's something that long after you leave the field, you, you know, those aches and pains come back. Oh yeah. Sounds really good. Thank you. Yeah. I'm currently sitting here with a stiff neck, so I know exactly what you're talking about. But uh, no, that's great information. And so, where can they? Uh, where can we find you? Where can the uh, listeners find you? Uh, social media, the magazine. Well, what's the best way to get this content? You can certainly reach us at at uh, proremodeler.com or protradecraft.com. Uh, you can you can reach me at Alfano at sgcmail.com. Would love to hear from people. Sal, thank you once again for joining us. This is all great information. We hope you'll uh, be back soon. 
to uh, share some more. We really appreciate it. My pleasure, Tim. Thanks for having me. So, Steve, what we learned? I think we learned a lot. I mean, for me, I think, uh, I don't know, the, the last part is extremely important. I think there's... They're almost like football. I think there's still an element of uh, macho behavior in in the trades and, and, you know, lifting poorly and and using the wrong hammer or, you know, just not knowing how to operate the heavy. It's every, you know, there's a lot of heavy things in construction, a lot of, like Sal said, repetitive movement. And I think it's completely not stressed enough for people to take care of their bodies because you can... Uh, last a while in this industry if you are uh, taking care of things, taking care of your eyes and ears and, and everything involved with that. But I think that what Sal's seen over the years is uh, just incredible. And I've I've loved reading his content and it, you know, that information showed today as well. How about you? Well, it's fascinating to me that a contractor or an ex-contractor that has a client uh, or a car- contractor working for him, he becomes the client, uh, is still asking the question, what comes next? Because I've been talking with contractors all over the country about communication and you know making sure they tell clients what's happening. And then to hear Sal repeat it, um, as a client who used to be a contractor is just fascinating to me that that it doesn't really matter where you came from. You still want to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I think the transition uh, into technology is huge. And yeah. um, even though I have not been an early adopter, uh, I have seen technology just change the way we communicate more than anything else, as well as um, sort of do the math. So it's pretty exciting to hear him talking about that. Good. Well, once again, we want to thank everybody for listening to the Tim Fowler Show. And remember, we're helping the bottom line through production training. This has been another episode of the Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com slash consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.